What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back to the show and Happy New Year. It's 2020, and if you're not already thinking about the implications of artificial intelligence for the fashion industry, then allow today's episode to provoke your consideration. My guest today is Ashwini Asokan, CEO and founder of View.ai, a US and India-based startup that has developed an AI platform to help online retailers increase sales and work more efficiently. They do this by automating simple yet important tasks such as product tagging and personalized recommendations. View.ai also helps fashion brands leverage artificial intelligence to generate images of models in clothes and provide personal style recommendations to customers while shopping online. It's a robust offering in a market that's used to doing things the old-fashioned way, which may explain why View.ai has secured $17 million in venture capital funding. We'll talk about how the fashion startup managed to get the attention of Silicon Valley, as well as the limitations of AI for online retailers. Right now, here's my conversation with Ashwini Asokan, the CEO and co-founder of View.ai. So, Ashwini, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Amanda. So, for those who don't know, who are you and what is View AI? I'm the CEO and the founder of View.ai. View.ai is basically a suite of artificial intelligence solutions that power end-to-end process automation for the retail industry. And can you tell us about some of the retailers you're working with right now to make it concrete for listeners? Well, think about really large, big box retailers across the globe. Think about online marketplaces, brands. View.ai works with all kinds of different types of retailers, from a Diesel to a Valentino to a Macy's and ThreadUp and We've been working with retailers and fashion-specific folks from across the globe. And so what problem is artificial intelligence solving for retail right now? Well, the retail problem, when we started View.ai, it was very evident to us that the retail problem was really a data problem. The fashion problem is is a data problem. And, you know, when you look at fashion and retail as as an industry, it's definitely one of those that's taken a lot longer to embrace technology to kind of transform. And I think the, the centerpiece to that story has actually been data, right? Like I just mentioned, we work with retailers from in the US, in Europe, in India, in Southeast Asia. And it's interesting, no matter where we go, the theme is broadly the same right? There are people sitting with 
you know, lines and lines and lines of Excel sheet with their merchandise in it. You have people manually creating data about all their merchandise and their inventory, people making decisions primarily based on kind of almost like this tribal know-how. You know, there's a there's a long-standing joke, especially in the US and the in the retail industry that, you know, at any given point of time, you'll find kind of the same people moving across the different types of brands out there. And so much of the know-how is fueled by a very small group of people that are really making a whole lot of those decisions, right? And and think about if you had to just flip that situation a little bit and say, what happens when you put data as the centerpiece to the story? What what changes? What kind of an industry do you get? Um, think about all those unsold clothes in the landfill. Think about returns and just the skyrocketing increase kind of in just the return rate across the globe. Think about people buying all these things that they don't ever need or they never meant to buy to begin with. So much of that problem can be solved with data. And that is where AI really comes into play. And that was really the story behind why we at Bureau.ai decided to go behind the fashion and the retail industry and using AI to basically create data, to analyze data, to help people make data-driven decisions and to automate different types of functions to kind of bring about that consistency in decision-making. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about data because for so long the fashion industry has been a very manual industry as you've talked about and so many technological advances have occurred, but it seems that it's an industry that hasn't caught up. And it's interesting and telling, I think, that H&M, for example, um, after announcing that they were sitting on billions of unsold inventory, their next step was to actually hire Christopher Wiley, the whistleblower from the Cambridge Analytica case, um, because he's a data specialist and they believe that someone like him could help their business. So I want to ask about the different aspects of Vue.ai. So there's a number of solutions that you can implement for retailers. Can you talk about the most popular ones and how they're being deployed? Sure, sure. So like I mentioned a little while ago, we are kind, we look at ourselves as an end-to-end solution suite. And by that, we basically mean, you know, think about where inventory first comes in or merchandise first comes into a company or a brand. There are people who are sitting and taking pictures of these clothes. They're creating the data surrounding these clothes. There's people sitting literally and typing in Excel sheets, you know, sleeveless or round neck or animal print. And and, and you've got thousands of people across the globe that are doing this, right? The very act of creating data over and over and over again, this whole repetitive task, is filled with fatigue and we are humans like on any given day you know we can type right or we type wrong and there's just so much about this data i mean the the very first step of fixing the retail industry is actually fixing the quality of data and the creation of data and and we actually do that through our automated tagging solution um, called view tag which is all you need to do is just upload your catalog and the algorithms automatically go in there, look at the objects or the inventory, they look at the merchandise, the product, and they can recognize different types of aspects, right? So you're talking about, you know, doing something at an at a at a 10x, a hundred X in terms of speed, things that 
people should never have been doing. And these are the same people that are not just tagging. They're also the people taking the pictures. They're also the people writing the copy. They're also the people that are managing the brand. They're the whole catalog management as an activity. There are so many aspects to it. And if you can shave off that 25 or 30% of their day when they're simply sitting and typing into a, you know, a, a PIM system or into an Excel sheet, you're basically allowing them to focus on the pieces of the job that are way more important and require human intervention. So that's kind of one piece of the puzzle. And, and we look at it as the step around creation of data. Now, the minute data is created, you know, there's it, it kind of, most of these clothes actually go into the photography studio. You've got people actually sitting and taking pictures of these clothes. And again, this is a very, very friction filled process between all the metadata creation, the photography, bringing the models in, shooting these pictures, all of a sudden you're talking about anywhere between 60 to 90 days to simply take a piece of clothing from your offline world and put it online, right? Just just imagine how long it takes. And with AI, you're talking about a few minutes. We've got algorithms that basically generate the human body in like different body types, different skin types, different sizes. And we've been asking ourselves this question over and over again, going, why should people all over the globe and people of different types be looking at the same size zero model online and buying clothing, right? Why can't we imagine ourselves in that in that in that piece of clothing? Why can't we have a variety of body types, different types of skin types, different accessories? And with our generation of, you know, the imagery of a human model, you basically are creating this kind of flexibility for people to basically imagine themselves in whatever form that is, you know, wearing those clothes. And and for us, there's a whole story here that has to do with automation. But there's a bigger story here that has to do with, you know, just the ability for people to buy things that make sense, that fit them, and that they can relate to, right? And and just like including, you know, just almost everybody else, the industry kind of routinely leaves out by focusing on that size zero model. So this is one part of our products. It all has to do with, you know, the the automation, the 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 product digitization, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And then on the other hand, if you look at it from the front end perspective, we've got a range of solutions that focus really on the consumer. So it's kind of the flip side here where one side is all about, you know, increase uh, reducing the time to market, automating, doing things in the process and the digitization piece, which is a much more meaningful and efficient. And then on the other hand, it's all about growth, right? How do you kind of put the focus squarely on the customer by using AI to understand exactly what it is that, that somebody is doing in a given session? Like, let's say, for example, you and I are on a website and, you know, you click on a pink dress. I can click on a pink dress. And, you know, the algorithms are like, okay, why do the two of us, why are the two of us clicking on it? Is it because it's sleeveless? Is it because of the color? Is it because of the pattern? And basically our AI goes in there and starts to interpret intent. So if your second click is like a, another pink dress, but my second click is let's just say more polka dotted clothes, right? Let's just say the first one had a polka dot in it to begin with. 
All of a sudden, the algorithms understand I'm looking for retro clothing, but you're looking for pink dresses. Within a period of two or three clicks, the, it, the algorithms have already established exactly what we're trying to do. And then it starts to personalize that entire journey using each and every one of our style profiles, right? So, so between these two things, I mean, we've got a range of solutions that cover both ends of the spectrum, one focusing on growth of the business and the other one focusing on enabling businesses to be more efficient. Yeah, thank you so much for walking us through it. It's so fascinating, all the different aspects that Vue.ai is able to touch. And one of the words that you use that I think is so poignant right now for the industry is this idea of inclusivity. I think it's no coincidence, you know, that the Victoria's Secret fashion show has been canceled because, you know, everybody looks like this unattainable size zero, as you were talking about. And so when we're shopping for clothes online, why shouldn't we be able to see it on a model or a form that looks like how it's going to look on us? Just so that I understand, when you're doing the tagging, you're talking about computer vision because, we're, you know, we're talking about lots of different types of artificial intelligence here. So the computer vision is able to do that sort of meta-tagging that you were talking about that's very, um, you know, dry and labor-intense and mechanical. But then when you're actually generating uh, a piece of clothing on a model, is that, what type of AI is that? Is that some sort of generative AI? That's exactly right. It is generative AI. And, you know, we've been one of the first in the industry to hold patents in this particular um, space. And we find just an, an incredibly huge amount of, of kind of just opportunity in this space, but also just somewhere where we should be going, like it's the right thing to be doing. And I think, you know, these themes around inclusivity and sustainability and the circular economy, as much as they sound like buzzwords in the making, and, you know, a lot of brands are using it, I think, from a buzzwordy perspective, but there are so many out there that are making the right moves, that are doing this the right way. Like ThreadUp is an is an example of a fantastic company that's kind of looking at the second-hand market. You've got so many. You've got Yerdl. You've got you've got so many of these companies that are focusing on on both inclusivity as well as sustainability. And I don't think they can be buzzwords anymore. And for us to be able to work on View Model, which is basically this product that allows you to you know visualize clothing in different sizes and different on different skin tones and and different types of accessories it's 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 also kind of pushing the industry down a particular direction and and responding to the demand in the industry as well and i think you know there's and there's it's a win-win situation at the end of the day right there's a whole it's the right thing to do and then there's the whole piece around just saving time and cost like how quickly you're able to like press a button and do this within a few minutes as opposed to taking 30 to 60 days to do it and the sooner you're able to put a product on 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 a, you know into the market the faster you're going to put it into that cycle you're basically cutting down two to three months of process and at the end of the day all of this keeps coming back keeps hitting back at this theme of sustainability right like being more efficient by using data means you're just not wasting time, money, effort, resources on things you shouldn't be doing. The story goes many different ways with that one. Yeah, that it, you know, it's an interesting point. But at the same time, to play devil's advocate, you are enabling companies to bring products to market faster, which could be, I guess, considered or critiqued as enabling fast fashion. But then when you talk about this 
use case with ThreadUp, for example, it's showing how you're able to empower the secondhand market. And our listeners will be familiar with ThreadUp because we were able to have Chris Homer on the podcast and speak to him about how he's using some of your services to sort of speed up their process. So um, it really is just on how people implement it. And um, just so that the retailers who are listening understand, when they sign up for Vue.ai, are they able to sign on for the specific um, offerings or do they have to sort of take the whole package? No, no, not at all. So different people come to us with very different set of requests. And sometimes people are just thinking about where the future of work is headed. People are thinking about their stylists and merchandisers. People are thinking about their catalog managers, their product managers. There are conversations going on with retailers across the globe at so many levels right now. There are those that know exactly the problem that they're trying to solve and they can come and buy it piecemeal. And then there are people that want to have a conversation about how AI can help them change their business, help them take it in a direction where it makes a lot of sense to them um, in, in, you know, in, in the near future. And I think, you know, so much of this is a lot less about, you know, I, I might as well just kind of get into this before you ask me, but it's, it's not so much about replacing people. And I know that's a, that's a really hard one to kind of reconcile. And, but, but this is a particular theme that we end up having conversations with companies over and over and over again, right? We are out there with companies um, training their stylists and merchandisers to use our AI tools. So just imagine every single stylist and merchandiser out there is sitting and curating collections for their homepage, for their product page, for their collections page. Everyone is sitting and doing everything manually. And to go in and look at a catalog that, you know, within a company's um, um, you know, inventory, at, at, how are you going to go pull out five or 10 or 20 or 30 items from a million item catalog or a half a million item catalog or even a 20,000 item catalog? How are you making these decisions, right? And AI-aided styling and merchandising is something we're doing. It's just one example of many, right? Is that AI can aid people to do their job so much better because you're basically talking about using data to feed back into the decisions you're making and the ability to reflect on those actions, right? Okay, this type of item continues to get sold in this particular season. And so actually, and, and how, can, how, how are we going to remember that? Two years later, one year later, how does one remember that, right? You've got it written down somewhere. You've got it like it's all between all of us, right, in our heads. But actually allowing the machine to surface that for you to say, hey, same time last year, this is what was going on in the market. This is how your customers were responding to, you know, a particular sale or a particular curated collection. Here's what you could be doing right now is a fantastic way to kind of dot the lines between all that all that all those data points and help stylists and merchandisers like do their job 10 times better than they're doing today just in terms of the mental fatigue it takes to like remember all that stuff over you know seasons and seasons and seasons and so the way we see it you know this this entire suite of solutions people can buy it piecemeal people can buy it in one go most of our customers end up buying almost the entire suite because it's all connected right so every 3 months every 4 months they come and buy the next piece of the puzzle and that's really our goal you know is to string together all of these functions where the data is flowing through all of these functions why shouldn't the stylist have information about you know 
like sale trends and and marketing trends and 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 all the other departments data right our our mission is to put a unified view into the customer or uh, the consumer the market and the inventory in the hands of each and every team in these companies that we work with so it's really empowering these different creatives with data absolutely absolutely right i mean in the near term you know we're not you're not going to replace human creativity, right? Like that is, and I and I know that you know, and this is why, just like retail and fashion and all these in, these industries out there have a problem, data problem. I think AI suffers from a problem of finding the right use cases, right? And what you end up hearing in the industry over and over and over again in the news, it's all about those deep fakes. It's all about you know, um, really you know these use cases that are not really about you know, meaningful change of any kind. They're all one tricks, you know, ponies you see here and there. And it's 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 not really the story of AI, you know, making a significant change to a given industry. And for us, it's about flipping that, right? And saying AI is not about just simple automation. It's actually about putting data in the hands of people in a meaningful way and helping them kind of reimagine the different types of work they do. Absolutely. And so... A lot of what you've talked about is how Vue.ai is kind of informing the behind the scenes. But if I'm a customer, um, this is all going to be invisible to me. So how is Vue.ai shaping the customer experience? Well, it kind of goes back to that example I was giving about, you know, the pink dress, right? Like us as consumers, we are making choices in a store, online, on email, through notifications, you name it. We are being bombarded every minute of every day with so much. And it is practically impossible most days for us to like figure out what we really want, right? On a given day, like I've had a bad day at work, I'm buying a shoe. Am I wearing that shoe again? <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. I, I so There's so many of these, these decisions we make as consumers. And nobody, it, it doesn't feel like most brands out there recognize that. They don't know me as I move through platforms. They don't know me as I, you know, at, at best you go on Amazon and it says you've bought one vacuum cleaner. You're going to see a hundred vacuum cleaners on that homepage, right? You get stuck in this bubble where it's more of the same rather than really absorbing who you are as a person, your style profiles, your persona and kind of personalizing that experience. And that is really what Vue.ai does. It looks at the inventory using computer vision and NLP. It kind of starts to break down this piece of clothing or this furniture or you know or anything that you're looking at down into its different pieces and then it starts to understand you and, and understand why are you making the decisions you're making right so it has a short-term profile of you what you're doing in a given session but it also has kind of a long-term profile of you if you've come back to that site over and over again and no matter where you go whether it's your email or your social channel it's truly basically absorbing that style profile and giving you exactly what you want when you want it or setting you up on a kind of a discovery journey, right? If you're in the mood for it so that you're not stuck in that bubble. So whether it's personalized recommendations, personalized emails, personalized video, we kind of do bring in that whole automation piece into the front end as well uh, through this whole idea of style profile based personalization. 
And so as we understand it, you're backed by a Sequoia VC. Can you tell us more about your funding journey? And specifically, I'm interested to know, was it difficult to sell Silicon Valley on a fashion retail startup? Well, um, so there was a time when the word fashion startup was not a very desirable word, (laughs) if I may. But for us, it's always been finding the right kind of people that share our vision. And uh, Sequoia Capital out of uh, India and Singapore, they found us before we even formed the company. And, you know, same with uh, our other investors, Xfinity and GrowX and Falcon Edge more recently. Our investors, you know, we're constantly looking for people that that understand this long-term vision we're going after, right? We want to help reimagine the future of work And we want to help people think about what it means to use technology as aids to them when they're out there doing their jobs. And, you know, finding the right kind of people who share that vision, who believe in that vision, has broadly been my strategy. You know, it's not always a straight line. It's in fact, it's never a straight line building a company um, and building a startup that's been global from the get go. We've been in India, in San Francisco, Japan, or we've been global from the get-go. Um, and, you know, to find the kind of investors who understand the need for that, who understand the way change is happening and the rapid pace at which the change is happening and to kind of keep up with that, we've been incredibly lucky as hard as it's been kind of, uh, you know, trying to make this work. But I believe we're, we're there. It's interesting because it's so different today. So much of what we do with Vue.ai is simply respond to inbound requests and inquiries. We get calls from all over the globe basically asking about our product and asking to, you know, for help to solve problems. Sometimes they, they're not even sure how to articulate their problems. But it's, you know, it's been a huge change over the last three years with us kind of saying the story to people coming in and trying to really understand what AI can do for their companies. How did you get into this? What's your background? I come from a background in product design um, and my co-founders come from a background in neuroscience. So very, very opposite ends of the spectrum there, which is why I think this really works. My co-founders were building hardware AI, neuromorphic chips, software. They were building, they're, they're biologists by background and all completely in academia, PhDs, postdocs, professors. And for me, it's been the polar opposite end of that spectrum, being in product and product design at Intel in the Bay Area for over 10 plus years. And much of my business experience and product experience was um, kind of fueled by my journey there. Intel is a brilliant place to kind of nurture entrepreneurship and that, and that, um, kind of drive to kind of think up new stuff and put together teams and grow that. And so I thought there was a time to attend to 12 years in when I felt like it was ready for us to make the jump. And we'd been talking about this for a very long time and, and we did. Fantastic. And so how can people follow Vue.ai and stay in touch? We are on Instagram as Vue.ai. We're on Twitter. We have a website Vue.ai and, uh, you know, broadly fairly easy to find us. Great. So we'll put all the links up on Electric Runway so that our audience can link to you. Ashwini, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Amanda.
that was my conversation with Ashwini Asokan, the CEO and co-founder of Vue.ai. For more details from this episode, visit electricrunway.com and click on podcasts. That's also where you'll find all past and future episodes of the show. You can subscribe to the Electric Runway podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever the best podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at electric underscore runway. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, here's looking towards the future.